three, two, one. Hey, mate. Hello, friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm upbeat. Yeah? Yeah. I've got the comfiest fucking shoes on right now. Have you? What are you wearing? Hold on. I'll see if I probably can't see the camera. Go on. Get it up. Oh. Get it up. Look at that. What are you doing? They're Yeezys or something. They're they look different. like Yeezys, don't they? They're, they're Adidas. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they are. What are they called? Yeah, they're Adidas. You don't know they're what they're Adidas, called. mate. No, the actual... I think they're called Adidas pumps. I don't know. Anyway, fuck you and fuck your pumps. Oh, <sighs> yep. As your week been? Less. Um, spare up. Yeah. The holes in my mouth are closing. Nice, that's good. So, less food's getting in there. Nice. So, yeah, we're getting, we're getting promising, man. We're getting promising. Yeah. How's your week been, buddy? Yeah, all right. Those holes yeah. take ages, though. What? I was just feeling my hole then. It's going to take you a while. You just feeling your hole? or feel my hole in my mouth right. where I got my um, okay. wisdom tooth taken out. Yeah. And you got four of them now. So I you're in four. trouble. You're going to be digging yeah. for days. Yeah, four holes worth filling, I reckon. Anyway. Yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in real trouble when I think about it. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Been happening. Go Nothing, on. man. I'm oh, back at work. Had a, had a few weeks off, and now I've spent the last three three days. What is it now? Four days at work. It's we not just good. said off camera we weren't going to talk about work, and then you. Well, just, you asked. You just came straight. That's what back happens when you ask people it. like, "What are they up to?" You. Like, oh, I've been working, mate. What are you doing? Any spare time, Brett? What are you? Not much. What are you thinking about? What am I thinking about? None of your business, mate. <laughs> Bloody hell, how dare you? Just trying to get inside your mind. Just trying to level with you over here spiritually. Get out of here. <sighs> Not a spiritual kind of night. Or is it? Ooh. Go on. Go on. Segue into that intro. Se- segue. Wyatt told me um this story the other day and I was just like, what? What? And Spirits it's, and all. And it's a real, real story, supposedly. Spirits and all. And it's Yeah, well, it's, your yeah, life, it's up mate. to you whether you believe it or not, really. Go on. So, paranormal happenings at my house. Mm. I've got some crazy women in my life at the moment that are <laughs> investigating this till the ends of the earth. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Haven't had some of this shit happen to me firsthand. I, I don't knock it entirely. We I don't entirely believer. support it either. But anyway, so the other weekend, mm. the missus, she's having a shower. She gets out. She looks at the mirror. And there is a small handprint on the mirror, the fogged up mirror in my bathroom. <laughs> now, have you fucking bear in mind, I cleaned this mirror the day before. Yeah. So, as you, know, you do, everyone cleans As you do. Oh, you should. Maybe hygienic, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. um, so then, yeah, she gets out and she looks in the mirror. There's a small handprint on the mirror. So yeah. she goes, okay, maybe I did that. Put her hands up against it. Nah, her hand's much bigger than that. And she has pixie hands. Mm. So She took a photo. She did take a photo. You sent me the photo. It's great. We can, we can, we can put it in the we'll video. We'll put it up. We can. A bit of production tonight, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're going professional. Oh, okay, I see how it is. Um... So then she comes out of the shower, she tells me, and I go, oh, fuck, yeah, mum will love this. Mum will get right in on it. So uh, mum's, you know, she's having the thought of that story in her, in her mind. And then the next day, I think it's the next day, she's out in the backyard and she's doing her gardening. And uh, the next door neighbour wanders over says, hey, how you going? They catch up. Yeah. And uh, she asks, oh, how are the kids going? How's Maddie? How's Wyatt? She goes, oh, yeah, Maddie's still in Dubbo. Wyatt's still jacking off all the time in yeah, his room. He never know, comes I'm out. sure you see him. His window faces your yard. <laughs> you probably know more than I do. <laughs> so he goes, oh, no, just Wyatt and Kaylin, they're here the most. And she goes, oh, yeah. What about your little son? Mum goes, what? <laughs> She's like, I reckon, yeah. your, little, your little boy. Mm. I see your little boy running around the backyard every day. I say hello to him. I'm like... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. that makes your heart drop. The plot eh? thickens. Yeah. 
So, um, so you neighbour legit thinks there's a little boy running around in your she backyard. She legit sees a little boy in my backyard. So, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so, uh, I don't know. We've been told we have, like, little ghosts at our house before. You don't reckon it's just a little rascal, like, from... Oh, yeah, houses? yeah, just escapes one of his houses from the grandparents, jumps over the Ooh. barbed wire fence that's a metre and a half tall. Yeah. Just has a little jog and then goes home, Brett, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, you are on a bit of land, I guess. With a big-ass dog safe. in the backyard. Yeah, but, not good. Yeah. Not good take that, Woody. <laughs> Fair call. You're right. Continue. <laughs> so uh, it sort of went from there. And then um, so we already knew we had a – supposedly we had a little girl ghost at our house. And uh, I had, I think I had a dream probably two weeks into living there with this little girl. She was, like, walking me around the house, showing me. Get it. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out a bit. But yeah. I thought, you know, oh, fucking just a dream. But, you know, when someone comes to you and they say, oh, who's your little boy running around your backyard? You get these thoughts creeping in the back of your mind. Like, oh, yeah. fuck. But, um, no, that's it, mate. So, obviously, that dream stuck with you. Oh, it came back to my memory when people say shit like that. Yeah. That so, happens, doesn't it? It just triggers your mind and you're yeah. just like, wow, that happened. Bit of PTSD I didn't know I had, but <laughs> it's there. It's there. Oh, my God, yeah. So, yeah, I'll keep you updated on uh, what happens with that. And I know you love hearing it. I know you love being sceptical about it. Me too. But yeah, yeah. I just just want to, like, I know, query all the angles, make sure you're not talking dirt to everyone. Oh, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, that's crazy, though. So what's been happening in Australia? A lot of loose shit's been happening in Australia. A lot. It's how it all happened. It's been a busy it? two, three weeks. Some shit that's going on, we a bit shocked to see, I would say. Something you know fuck all about, Hedge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Educate like, me, Brett. I'm like, yeah, what do you reckon about Rio Tinto, Hedge? And he's like, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the protest, mate. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, I know you do. But Rio Tinto and BHP are getting a bit scummy out there. And um, so what happened is Rio Tinto has repeatedly uh, apologised to traditional owners for the destruction of rock shelters that have been occupied for over 46,000 years in the state of Western Australia after the Iron Ore Chief Executive Chris Salisbury reportedly told a staff member that the apology was for, was for any distress calls, not any admission the company had done wrong. So he's like backtracking, going like, we're not apologising for what happened because like, we're in our right to do that, but we're just sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like BH, uh, what was it, BP when they done the oil spill? And like the, the yeah. roast, remember that? Was but it isn't, I love their, I, forget what was. I love what they say though, because isn't that what, you know, when you're growing up, most girls say to you, I know you're saying sorry, but are you really apologising? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So you know. I didn't. As a man, you know that company's full of shit, Brett. Yeah, oh man. But they're like, they're killing it. They're digging up Western Australia and so is um, BHP. But um, so yeah, they're they're like backtracking, just fucking. We're not. Well, they're not backtracking. Basically, what sort of happened is, according to the Australian Financial Review, which says it heard a recording of Rio Tinto staff meeting held on Wednesday, the tenth of June. Salisbury described the events leading up to the detonation of the site, and then said, "That's why we haven't apologised for the event itself per se, but apologised for the distress the event caused." He also reassured staff. The company maintained a backing of political leaders of both sides, uh, despite Labor Party uh, forming a Senate inquiry about this happening. Uh, but he says uh, they're in, 
like the politicians are engaged with lots and lots of the stakeholders and quietly there is still support for us out there so he knows they're going to be sweet because like there's a lot of money like you know mining in australia is huge <laughs> like, it's like i just want to know how papa elon's flying under the radar digging for all that lithium over in western australia what mate we're digging up the lithium and we're sending it to the gigafactories look that shit up really yeah come on <laughs> oh, yeah. get with it <laughs> rio tinto that's his fucking last year's news <laughs> like last week, but okay. Forget forget the Aboriginals and their uh, their settlements. Whoa! Don't be putting my name. That's what that. you said. Don't pretty be much. Don't put my name that, mate. Don't. Oh. Well, that's what's happening, man. It's Don't be like them protesters out there. It's fucked up. And BHP get this. Um, they're poised to, dest- to destroy at least forty and possibly as many eighty as many as eighty six Aboriginal sites uh, in regions in Western Australia to expand their. 4.5 billion south flank iron ore mining operation hedge. They just don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> They're just getting it done. It is crazy though, man. And it, it, it really sucks. It really sucks. And if you if you got shares in BHP and Rio Tinto. Do you reckon they're paying off yeah. opposition though? Like people of the indigenous community or Aboriginal elders, if they were to... Well, they go into an agreement. See, and there it is. Agreement is money. Then things change, man. Well. Oh, well. It's like they hear them out and then they're like, yep, 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 yep. This is literally what happened. I read about it today, but I won't read a fucking article. Like, that's what happened, though. And then literally a week later, they're doing the total opposite. They heard what they said, but they said, yeah, well, we still need to... Bomb We're still gonna shit. blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, we gotta <laughs> fucking keep digging. There's so much here. We just the money's we in the ground. We're not worried about your bus shelter, and it's just fucked up, man. They, it's like Aboriginal heritage has been there for so long, thousands of years. Like it's like the culture of the country, and we're just blowing it up. And everyone's considering like, Aboriginals are one of the oldest cultures known to the world. Yeah, man. The indigenous history is disappearing. Yeah. As I said to you when we were talking about it the other week, it's it's very similar to ISIS blowing up heritage sites over in the Middle East, uh, Middle East, like mm. ancient Mesopotamia. Well, Jerusalem's been pumped, hasn't it? <sighs> that's all over the years. That's been just barraged. But anyway, you know what I mean. Like what's happening here, big time on just a very different scale. Yeah, exactly right. And like nothing's happening about it. Yeah, the government's not talking about it, not doing shit. Well, at least Labor's like Never trying will. to get the inquiry going. Think it will go anywhere? I hope so, man. Mate, all they care about is opening up the borders. That's all they give a shit about. Yeah. So Queensland's still going, nah, get out. Yeah, until <laughs> July 10, and then ScoMo's ordered the borders to reopen. Has he? Yeah. Well, Cheeky. you wait for the Premier of Queensland to fucking lose her job or quit. Nah, they just keep him safe. Man, I'll be loving it if I was a Queenslander. <laughs> Mate. Fuck, fuck the New South Welsh people and the, the Melbourneites. All of them. Forget them all. You don't need them. Man, it's good in Queensland. We enjoyed it. We went up there not long ago. <laughs> About two years ago. <laughs> probably close to three years ago. That was yeah, a good time. Probably four. It? it was a good time. Remember uh, walking down this, the strip at, um, where were we? Because the Gold Coast? Yeah. 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 Remember that that dude that was like, hey guys, here you going? He's like trying to like sell us some like night out, like going to all the, like on a pub crawl. Wasn't that, um, oh, I know the book you are talking yeah. about. I thought you were talking about Leon, which is fucking no. Liam's mate. who was shivering security. That, that happened later in the day. It was an eventful weekend. Or, yeah, sorry, attempting to shift security guards. So, like, all the guys we were with, like, you and I and a few others, 
And you guys were getting into it. And no, we kept walking. Uh, we kept walking. And I remember it because we're walking away and he said something and you picked it up on your bullshittery radar and you're like, and you turn around like you're going to go fight him or something. Like you turn around, you're like, what'd you just say? What outrageous offer are you making? How can you fulfill this offer? And you were just like picking him to pieces on his like I think you're picking him another time. Pitch. You're picking him another time. <laughs> we, we all got startled. And he was just like, oh yeah, that's right. There was two times. There's been a few times. You were talking about the time in front of the beer garden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wanted us to do a pub crawl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm with you now. There's been a few uh, interactions with people trying to sell us stuff. <laughs> Me getting off it. <laughs> but um Yeah, but you guys hook line sinker, remember? And I was getting so off it. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm not gonna pay this bloke eighty bucks. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> always give us me. some wristbands. That's always me. I always get dragged into get that. Get your shit. free drink. When, when I was a kid me. and we were in fucking Surf's pa- same place, Surf's Paradise and those you know what the funny thing is? You know the place we stayed. Yeah. When I was a kid, it's nice there. Yeah, yeah. this gets good. When I was a kid, they mm. had just finished building those, and we were on the street. And this dude came up to my parents, and he's like, "You know, uh, if you come up and we give you a tour of the new apartments and see if you get your interest in them, like you could have a chance to win a free TV." And like little me was like, "Fuck yeah, free <laughs> TV, parents, let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> Basically, coerced them into going in, checking out these apartments. Yeah. Same apartments that we stayed at. Really? Yeah. So they took us up to like the 50th floor or whatever and we were checking out the scenery, checking out the new apartments and thinking, oh, this must cost a bomb. Mm. And then when later on we're, what, 22 up there getting pissed in on some bloke's apartment balcony. Yeah. <laughs> doing God knows what. Yeah. Yeah. Really retrospective, that one. Good time. Good time. Always. And then um, what was it, the other month? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I told you this. I got... I was coming home for a meeting in the city yeah. and I got suckered into some representatives from the Royal uh, Flying Doctors Association. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the tree, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how she did it. I'm still mystified. Mm. I'm still mystified. But um, she ended up getting me to donate to the Royal Flying Doctors Association in Australia, which, you know, I thought at the end of the day, it's not such a bad thing. Mm. I've donated to a good cause. But they lock you in, don't they? How long, they mate? lock you into monthly payments. Well, can you get out of it after a month? Oh, mate, I got out of it that night. Oh, <laughs> I'll bet 25 I'll bucks. Bet and then I was like, whoa, I can't afford this every yeah, month. Yeah, I hate companies that do that. Like it's like a recurring monthly thing yeah. when you only want it for like, you know what I mean, like and a one-off the, thing. The swindle communication too. She's like, oh, come on now, what's your card details? And I was like, <laughs> fuck. I, was like, and, oh, no, I don't want to give you the card details. She's like, no, come on, just give me the card details. And I fucking ended up giving it to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're persistent. That's and what happens. I was happens. like, fuck. So I went home and on the train, I was like so pissed off. He's like, fuck's sake, Wyatt. You've done it again. You've fucking succumbed to pressure. Salesman. That's what it is. Oh, she was good. Yeah. She was good. That's Give why I wanted more from Nikki when he came in. You know what I mean? I want to learn how to be a salesman. Yeah, Nick. What the fuck? I reckon. You didn't Nick. sell a shit. You didn't. You didn't get me to open an account with Suncorp. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just be yourself. <laughs> Not working, Nick. Uh, should we jump into what this week's about or what? Yeah, let's go into it. So we got... um. It's Bigfoot, pretty much, but we've it's a, pretty we've much a, Bigfoot. But we Australia's Bigfoot. Australia's Bigfoot, exactly. But before we get into Australia's Bigfoot, we're going to talk about some other like yetis and other things that sort of associated with it. Just to give like a full worldly perspective, of general it. information yeah, of yeah, what yeah, we're yeah. talking about. Pretty because much. coming up, we have an interview with Attila Coldy, and he's come up with a documentary called uh, Track: Search for Australia's Bigfoot. Yeah, we watched it, didn't we, Hedge? Yeah, we did. Yeah. That's pretty good. 
Separately. We separately, separately uh, rented it on iTunes. We analysed it separately. Yeah. So uh, it was good. No, so you'll hear that soon. That's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get some general information about so Bigfoot's Yetis. Yeah. So so what do you think the abominable snowman is, Wyatt? When you say abominable snowman, I think Monsters, Inc. Uh, cartoon. And I think Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back, I think it is. Is there is there one in there, is there? Oh, they don't call him an abominable snowman, but that's what you would think. Isn't Chewy like a bit How dare you in the in that category? Wookie, bro. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's not go oh. there. It's not my thing, you know that. That's, anyway. Uh so the Yeti is very prominent in Himalayan folklore, believe it or not. Yes. Yeah. So I have something l- interesting to, to go on. The back of that actually don't before you move on from yeti remind me oh mate you're already throwing me off <laughs> i'll remember it keep going keep going it will later come to be referred to as the abominable snowman so the yeti was the original term for it but it turned into that yep uh, because of western culture basically um but sherpas and locals like in the himalayan areas would refer to yetis as wild man or the wild man of the snows. So, because we don't have much information about, like, how it was all documented back then, I've only really got, like, information from, like, 1900s and onwards. Yep. That's all I can get, because before that, it's just, like, there's not much there to find. Uh, anyway, so in 1925, Mr. Tom Bazzi, a photographer, a member of the Royal Geogra- Geographical uh, Society, writes that he saw a creature at about 15,000 feet near Zemu Glacier, which is where supposedly multiple sightings have occurred. And he later wrote that he observed the creature from about 200 to 300 yards for about a minute, saying, unquestionably, the figure in outline was exactly like a human being, walking upright and stopping occasionally to pull for some dwarf bushes. It showed up dark against the snow, and as far as I could make out, there's no clothes. We should probably point out before we continue that the Bigfoot phenomena, yeah, the Yeti, the Sasquatch, it all is subject to a lot of conspiracy theory. So Everyone knows this we're real. not we're not <laughs> broadcasting ourselves as believing in these creatures, although we are definitely open to it. However, as you're reading that. <laughs> it's You're the, tripping balls, eh? It's, it's the yeah. old story of 200 to 300 yards away. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's some bloke that could have just figure, wanted fame. Yeah, exactly right. It but, could be yeah. totally dribble. But I'm a it could also be but the creature like, the in part, question. Like when anything's part of like a folklore, like a, uh, there's some reality linked to it. Yeah. Like Stories of myth and legend. Exactly. Like when you, when you think of like all the like ancient paintings and so on, like of aliens like on the walls and so on. Like literally spacecrafts in famous paintings. Yeah, man. When you when you say that, I think of dragons. How many years have dragons been depicted by so many different cultures, so many different civilizations? Yeah. Yet can't find one. Yeah. Why do so many different cultures and civilizations draw dragons? Why do they refer to dragons? The crazy thing about it is the fire aspect. You could imagine, like, um, obviously yeah. with dinosaurs being a thing, you could imagine something like that flying once upon a time like yeah. on this planet. But blowing the fire? <laughs> <You reckon? laughs> That's just a bit too far-fetched you for you. Yeah, just a bit too far <laughs> for me. 
Personally. Isn't there little fucking caterpillars that yeah. spitball fire, little fucking hot things at you? Nah, I wouldn't like yeah, big look, fire. I'm not, not too knowledgeable on that shit, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Western interest in Yeti peaked dramatically in the 1950s while attempting a scale on Mount Everest in 1951. Eric Shipton. Okay, so I did research a bit of this today about like Yetis and Eric Shipton's like seen as like a legend for some reason. <laughs> but yep. like literally what he done was he um, he got like a photo of a footprint. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he put his uh, ice axe next to it. Yeah. And that like got put on newspapers and everything like saying like there is a Yeti. Like around there, but he like didn't fucking find anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. Didn't get any like footage or an encounter. <laughs> but he's like really prominent in that sort of like whenever you're looking into Yetis. I guess because like as I was saying before, there's not much reported on it until like the 1900s, and then like as obviously not much has been happening ever since. But the 60s. Uh, so up until the 60s, belief in the Yeti was really common in Bhutan. So basically, Bhutan. I think found this out today is a Buddhist kingdom in the Himalayas that has a population of 750,000 people. How cool is that? Jesus. Just Buddhists <laughs> in a kingdom. <laughs> Just cruising. Anyway, in 1966, uh, the, they made a stamp to honour the, the creature. See, this is where I've got to jump in. Because now you're getting real close to the dates mm. of the infamous Dilatov Pass incident. Mm. So this happened in Russia. Yeah. I think Siberia. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So basically, I'll make it short just so we can continue, but the Yeti has relevance and even more relevance now that you've read that to me. But I think it was nine explorers went um, into the Russian mountains, uh, snow, freezing conditions as Russia always fucking is. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, one night these explorers sort of all lost their minds or it was perceived they lost their minds. Uh, something spooked them during the night. So it's a sleep experiment. <laughs> no, 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 no. So something's yeah. spooked them, yeah. and they've broken out of their tents. They've gone running all different directions in different groups, and then basically they all died. But then some of them were found uh, in different ways to others. In different, uh, they met their ends very differently. Mm. So a lot froze to death with hypothermia. But the real interest there is that some of them were found with injuries that couldn't be caused by a human. Okay. So they were impaled, beaten, fucking crushed by things that couldn't be explained because it couldn't be done by a human. So one of the popular theories as to what's happened is yetis. Yetis could have caused these injuries. Well, it's definitely not animals? Like a fucking lion or something? It's been like these injuries are consistent with that of someone being hit by a car. Multiple times or just one? Well, I don't know. <laughs> the intricacy, I've got mate. questions, but mate. Anyway, <laughs> this, the basis of this is that a theory is that it was Yetis. And it's more interesting that you say that now because I'm pretty sure, and I don't know, you might have to fact check this. You might want to Google it. Yeah, the Dilatov Pass incident happened in 1967. Tell me if I'm wrong. Mate, it was 1959. I'm very wrong. But anyway, so when you say these dates are the 50s and the 60s, yeah, it wasn't long after the past incident that um, the Himalayas, Nepalan government, the country, whatever, yeah. they released warnings and statements about Yetis for people hiking in their own areas. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the Himalayas. 
Yeah, yeah. So the the dates pretty close. Six years. I wonder if the the what you're saying there, the Dilatov Pass incident was that at a high altitude. Oh, they were hikers. So they were hiking. They were hiking through the mountains. uh, Hold on. Yeah. You said we make it quick, and here we are. Your tongue is going to get fucked trying to pronounce the names, but. Yeah, especially yeah, all these these Russian words. Yeah. You don't need to dive into it. I just thought it was good relevance for the dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, so these bloody yetis, eh? <laughs> They're out there, everyone. <laughs> just believe it or not. There was um. But one thing I did find when I was looking into yetis today was something pretty much a lot cooler than yetis because it was real. Is um. <laughs> <laughs> Proven to be real? Uh, well, no, there's, there's fact. Proven to be real, exactly. That's the hard thing. It's like UFOs, aliens, all this jazz. I want hard evidence eh? <laughs> before I really get behind it. I, I will sit on the fence for a while until I got hard evidence <laughs> because you, you just get scrutinised. You get torn apart because a lot of it is, I don't know, it's just otherworldly. It's, it's mm. hard to explain or hard, hard to prove. Yeah. Well, go on. Hit me with this. Hit me with this more accurate Reports that you have. So there was a type of p- human, or well, I guess it's not a human, it was a Homo florensis, and basically nicknamed the Hobbit. Not the Hobbit, it's just Hobbit. <laughs> but it is a small species of archaic human which inhabited the islands of Flores, Indonesia, until the arrival of modern humans uh, 50,000 years ago. Mm. And they were roughly 1.1 metres in height. And we only discovered this in 2003. <laughs> you should see the little, like, photos they've made. We'll put up something of it. Like, they look so, like, just... You can see how they're linked to humans, but, like, yeah. There's a bit of ape in there, definitely. Like, it's... it's Even though we are ape, 98% or something. <laughs> I was going to say... They're more primate. Because uh, humans gradually got taller. We are much larger than what we used to be. 1.1 yeah, meters. That's why these ones died out. <laughs> Not real big. This is why they died out, mate. <laughs> Pure size. Strong survive. Pure <laughs> size. Killed in a trim. <laughs> but they were a thing. Imagine that. Yeah. Knocking about just on an island. You get there and there's all these like weird little meter high humans running around. <laughs> just looking super different. Wasn't Jesus a meter? I think I got that wrong. Of <laughs> <laughs> course you fucking did. <laughs> we talked about that. Uh, we're pretty drunk. But you see, he wasn't tall was the, was the, the premise. So, uh, yeah, that's, mm. the, okay. that's, that's the premise. <laughs> Stick with that. <laughs> anyway, what research did you do about any of this, Hedge? <laughs> oh, mate. I watched video after video, took down some notes, and sort of come to the conclusion, the same conclusion I had about Bigfoot all those years ago when I went down that rabbit hole. Which is? Can't find any evidence. It's the same thing every time. It's it's a video from an extended uh, distance away. Sometimes you can't make sense of the figure, and sometimes they walk a little bit too human-like, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, what's the famous one from America, the one that started it all? Yeah. yeah. The video footage of the Bigfoot yeah, walking along the creek. Seen it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the official name of it, yeah. but, yeah, like, he walked a bit too much like a human. Have you seen the uh, the video that uh, has Trump walking away and like, they put it side by side with Bigfoot and it's like the exact same walk? <laughs> it was so good. We've got to find that. We'll put it up. People will use that argument to say Trump hasn't evolved. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. But uh, the interesting thing that I did come across was that it's the, the calls and, again, could be fabricated, but we don't know. 
so we shouldn't speculate either way. But every sort of source I came along is that they make this whooping sound, mm. and that's sort of like cross national. This recording of this whooping sound, and I watched one video of this lady; she was tracking it in the US mm. in this open field. I forget which uh, state she was in, but she had this pre-recorded thing they captured of a Bigfoot, and she played it through the big speakers out into the wilderness in the middle of the night to see if she can get something coming back. Yeah. So she's played it a few times and yeah. then she, you know, she's like on the verge of giving up, as they are, plays it again, and then she starts getting it back. The okay. same whooping, howling really? sort of thing. She starts getting it back. Bit of a mating call. Yeah. So yeah. then she's like, let's follow it. And I was like, oh, fuck that. They just rock up and there's just like a bobcat, some kind of like oh. big cat just ready to go. She, she didn't find Which it, they man. like, you know, like big cats, like how very oddly. Yeah. Like you wouldn't think it's coming from a cat. Could also be a wolf. Yeah. Oh, but that, we all know what the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Could be anything. Mm. You know, definitely interesting. I'm keen to hear about what uh, we've got in Australia. Yeah. You know the big cats up in Katoomba slash Blue Mountains, the big panther that everyone apparently yeah, sees? Yeah, we didn't get to ask Attila that, did we? No. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to get his thoughts on that. Yeah, well, okay. well, I've seen a few news articles about it over the years. So it's like a real thing, obviously. <laughs> Just a big... What is it? A, a, what a panther? What the well, fuck? people refer to it as a panther. They claim to have seen this big black cat cruising around the Blue Mountains, Katoomba, that region. Similar region to where Australia's Bigfoot is reportedly seen. Mm. But it is a vast region. Like I think it's um, remembering from the docker, it's like two thousand kilometers stretching from Queensland to Melbourne mm. is the Great Dividing Range. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking area to cover. We said they say Blue Mountains is a source of Lebanon, didn't they say? Yeah, that? I don't know. I think so. Certainly, yeah, I think yeah. something like that. That was in his documentary. But yeah, the interesting thing is that they say they see this big cat there, but they also see it over in Appen. So in Appen, in Appen. <laughs> So I don't know. A I panther know. knocking about napping. Yeah. And that's coming from news crew, outlets. Crew, it's coming from newspapers. Like, it's it's not yeah. some crazy... It could be could have started with some crazy person, but... Just cruising the housing development zone. It's interesting. It's interesting. But, yeah, you can put all those under the same sort of umbrella. Yeah. Creatures that are reportedly seen, heard. Yeah. And some of the stories come out of that doco. Like, oh. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's just... I reckon it's just probably, if it's still going, it's just probably an elusive ape. Mm. Like, evol- like, it'll be evolved slightly different, just like how a lot of apes are. Well, yeah. yeah. And this yeah. one's just like... And if it did cross taller. into Australia at some point... It could have been here. It like, could have adapted. A long it could time. have evolved. Like, yeah, we don't we, know. We don't know much about, like... Um, yeah, we don't know as much as only what we've researched on it, but, like, um, it was touched on that, like, even the Aboriginals had words for, like, the Bigfoots. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. I don't know too much about it, but like it was part of like, I had it in their dialect. Yeah. So it was like, it was crazy. I tell you what, um, like Bigfoot's cool. Like if, if they did find him, it'd be pretty cool. But you know, have you, do you know about bonobos? No. You don't know about bonobos, do you? They're, they're these monkeys, all right, man. And like, they're just super sexual. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're about here. Go into it. <laughs> Like they just greet each other, like the like the female one will just like present herself, and then like with no like hesitation at all, like one of them will just go on it, and they all it's just like orgies all the time. I'm not <laughs> even kidding, man. They're just like super sexual, 
But like that's how they're sort of um, like the culture they've created for themselves is just like that's how they live, like in their environment. And like they're still like obviously go out and get food and so on. And like the, there's obviously loads of children. <laughs> Sounds like the Romans took a page out of their book. Yeah, I reckon. Jesus. I reckon. But yeah, I wouldn't um. Mating would, calls. Wouldn't mind coming back and coming back as a bonobo <laughs> if reincarnation was a thing. <laughs> Until you get brutally beaten and killed by one of your fellow. No, no, they're not like that. It's no, all about love. No. I'm probably not explaining it well enough. It's all, about, it's all about love. <laughs> the bonobos are just killer, man. They're, they're like so. It's just like a, a good society they've created for themselves. There, the opposite end of the spectrum. Have you seen uh, com- comparing it to all about being all about love? Have you seen the videos of the the chimps, David Attenborough? It's a very it's an old video of when David Attenborough was a quite a quite a young sprite, quite a young sprite, a stunning young man, but um. So he's followed these group of chimps in. I don't know the official name of these chimps, and I do not know the official name of the chimp that they kill. Forgive me. But anyway, oh, this group of chimps, and they have this, you know, methodical way of hunting down younger apes or a different breed of monkey. It is a monkey, sorry. Uh, so these monkeys that they hunt, they hang in the, the canopy of the trees. Yeah. And these chimps form together and f- figure out a way, and they communicate this, to force these monkeys into a trap. So two of them pretty much sprint to the end area where they're trying to catch the monkey. One, he's called the runner or he's called the... uh, I forget what he's called, but he goes up, causes a ruckus, chases him. Two on the sides keep him in line in the same path and then ultimately forcing a bunch of them into the two catches at the end. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So basically they, they sorted, haven't they? Yeah, they catch this monkey and they fucking rip it apart oh <laughs> and give it to each other like it's pieces of chicken from KFC. Really? And they just chomp on it, man. And then fucking David Attenborough and his crew are just chilling a couple hundred meters away, watching them just eat it off the bone. Gnarly. So gnarly. Chimps are so gnarly. They're so <laughs> gnarly, eh? So could you imagine if Bigfoot was a bit like the chimps? I wouldn't want to be there. No, he's obviously elusive. <laughs> he's the most elusive like primate going if he does exist. So whatever, whatever he's fucking up, I do not envy that at all. No. Anyway, so let's get to Attila, shall we? Yeah, let's bring him in. Okay. Take it easy, mate. We'll go to Attila now. All right. Attila, thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to Strange Mates Podcast. Yeah, so um, we've got you on about your, uh, you've made a very interesting documentary called uh, Track Search for Australia's Bigfoot. Um, White and I watched it the other day and it was good work, mate. Congratulations. It's a fantastic documentary. It's really good. Good watch. No worries. So um, we've got a few questions for you just about it all. I'll let White start with that. Go on, White. Yeah. Uh, Well, firstly, uh, can you tell us a bit just about yourself and uh, the story about your first encounter with the uh, Australian Bigfoot slash Yowie phenomena? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one because um, I this is going back probably about 10 years ago now, maybe even more. Um, we were on an expedition on something completely different, so it wasn't actually cryptid-related. And we were in an isolated part of the, uh, of the Blue Mountains. And, um, yeah, one, one night we were sort of perched on this edge of a cliff, right? And um, we... One of, the, one of the team members actually heard this horrendous scream and uh, we actually went, it was like in the middle of the night and um, yeah, you can imagine like you're, you're kind of perched on the edge of a cliff, you know, with all this, this 
you know, shrubbery behind you and forests and ferns and whatnot. So it is, there's nobody around you for miles. It's, it's, a, it's a completely, it's off the grid really, so it's really not a campsite or anything like that. So we went to investigate, we couldn't find anything. And um, it wasn't until later on, probably about half an hour later, this massive rock just got thrown at us, right? Yeah. And it almost hit one of the team members in the head and landed right next to it, kind of exploded. And it was a, quite a sizable rock. Um, and then we started thinking, well, <laughs> what are we really dealing with here? Because there's nobody around, you know. Um, we've, we've kind of went through the whole area. Um, yeah, there's, there's gorges there, there's some interesting drop-offs and stuff like that. So we, we didn't sleep all night. It wasn't until the following day did we start to debate um, as to what we're going to be doing because we had some more stuff happening around the campsite. Um, and finally, this was in September, and finally we decided probably around 4.30, so we're going to pack up and get the hell out of there, which, which we did. And by the time we were sort of packed and ready to go and the packs on our backs were sort of walking through this fern forest and um, lo and behold, something came through the trees like a, a flippant bulldozer. It just started smashing through everything. And there's no trail there. It's just complete shrub. It was dark. I mean, it was probably about 7 or 8 o'clock at night and we had probably about a few clicks to go before we actually, you know, got onto the trail, so to speak. And... There wasn't one. There was actually a few of them, and and we on, on one side as we were hiking, you had like it was like a big rock face, and on the other side it kind of dropped down a little bit, but it had these massive trees and ferns. And whatever it was was actually ploughing through all this, and they were hitting the trees with massive um, branches because you could hear them being smashed and smashed. It was like being herded out. Yeah. And one of the guys. One of the guys actually got so frightened that we had to stop because the heart was actually playing up a little bit. And we got out, I don't know how, but we actually got out of there. Um, so if you guys sort of remember back, this is kind of the, the first story that I um, spoke about in the documentary. Um, and by the time we got out of there, these things, whatever they were, uh, and they would have been massive, seriously. It would have been, like, for something to do what these things did, you had to be sizable. Um, these things just proceeded back. So it was almost like, you know, we were in there, we were not supposed to be, whether it was breeding season, who knows. I mean, we, we upset these guys for some reason, but I'm glad we got out of there in one place. And that kind of fueled my interest um, in the whole sort of um, Bigfoot scene. And it, uh, I guess it took me some years afterwards to actually start creating content. Wow. Yeah. So that's what sort of motivated your, your research into the, the phenomena itself, what got you in, invested in it. So much research because I'm not a researcher. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a documentarian. So I, I, if anything, I'd probably consider myself as an investigative journalist um, because that's basically what what I do now. I look for stories like you guys. Um, but the only difference is, you know, in you know doing the documentary side of things, um, but also putting my own personal experience to see how I can actually compare that with other people's experiences as well. So, yeah, there is a motivation behind the whole thing, and it does come, the origins does come from, from a personal experience. But um, sort of, you know, talking to so many people over the years and, and, and experiencing so many things um, over that same period of time, it, it just opens your eyes to a whole different world that a lot of people aren't even aware of. Yeah, mm. most definitely. So how long in all did it take you to create this doco? How, like... Well, yeah, we... So the thing was, I've got a good friend of mine um, who lives up in Queensland, and we're actually both going to do this documentary together. And 
<laughs> we were sort of scatting around trying to find a good angle, trying to find a good story and whatnot. And um, he decided to, to um, you know, do his documentary and we kind of put this on the back burner. Um, and I just kept on, guys, I just kept on going through social media and, and, and trying to find, you know, a good lead into this story because I just didn't want to make the story about my own experiences. It's boring. But um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to find someone who's, who's got, you know, who's had a really good, you know, experience that they're sort of out there, you know, getting their hands dirty, getting their hands gritty. Um, and I actually found this guy um, back... 2018, around September, October 2018, and I actually saw this video that he did, and the video, which again appears in the documentary, is about this massive creature that he accidentally recorded because he was looking at you know, tree branches and snaps, and he put his camera down, and he's standing in the background, just turns around and goes behind his cliff face. Yeah, we Dan. Yeah, we Dan. Yeah. And it's yeah, we Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I arranged a meeting with him at a pub and um, up here at the Crossroads Hotel and because um, I live locally too and um, yeah we sat down he showed me all of his recordings and everything else I was quite impressed and I said well, would you be interested he said yeah absolutely so that was kind of the, the, the starting point and it started sort of towards the end of, of 2018 and we kick-started with, a, with an expedition uh, in an area where there was a military encounter and that's also in there as well, which I recorded with my phone at the time, um, because it was initially supposed to be a scouting trip, not a documentary, but um, because we had such good substance there, um, I decided to actually put it in. For, it's all came together. Mm. So, so sorry, sorry to answer your, your question. So I started at end of 2018, so it was about 12 months, maybe a bit more. So thereabouts, about a year but that footage by Yowie Dan is impressive. I see as, as soon as you um, got in touch with him, I would have been totally on board if I was you because um, yeah, it was impressive, yeah. wasn't it? It, it, was, it makes you think. It, it's not... Um, like Obviously, when you think of Bigfoot, you think of the original footage that came out from America back in the day. And uh, his is just as credible, to be fair to him. Like it's, and I haven't been able to find it online, mate. So everyone out there listening, you have to uh, watch the documentary to, um, to see that footage. But yeah, it's really cool. Um, you go on, Hedge. What, yeah. what, what other questions? Is there, there any other related stories from other people who've probably become lost in the Blue Mountains? A lot of people get lost in the Blue Mountains. Have you heard any other stories that were related to similar to your story? Well, funny you should mention that because I mean, a lot of people do disappear in the Blue Mountains, but um, a lot of that's associated with with people who are inexperienced or tourists who think that they're going for a walk, you know, in a, in a nice little calm forest somewhere in Europe. Um, and they're not sort of aware of what we have, you know, in, in this country. Let me just to give you guys an idea, um, we were filming, when we were filming track, uh, we actually went past an area that's, excuse the expression, but smelled like strong cat piss smell, like cat urine. Um, so... Again, you know, if there are large wild cats out there and you're on your own, you deviate off the track, I mean, you could be, you know, prey for anything out there, just about, even wild dogs. So how many of that is, is sort of Yari-related? Look, I mean, a lot of the cases in the Blue Mountains don't appear to be aggressive. There are cases, however, in certain parts of New South Wales where they do appear to be extremely aggressive, and for what reason, I don't know. 
Um, one of those areas is is is, is well known to every sort of um, Bigfoot researcher up there is the billiards. And, um, what was that? Sorry, actually, what, what was sorry. that again? It's called the Pilligas, the Pilligas State Forest, which is up near Coonabarabran. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, there are a lot of stories that come out of that. Um, people talk about, you know, a lot of people going missing, hunters going missing there over the years. Um, so, you know, anyone who does a Google about, you know, the Pilligas Forest will actually find that there has been a lot of sort of interesting things happening there and people going missing. Now, whether it's Bigfoot related, it, it could be, it could, make, it could be something else. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I mean, as to what portion of that in Blue Mountains is, is Bigfoot related, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know that the Australian media has ever reported on a- any encounters to, to do with Yowie or um, Bigfoot related? Or you, I imagine... Well, I just haven't seen any. So I imagine were you researching it, you may have found something or, or no? Australian media? Yeah, yeah, like covering yeah. any of this. Apart from MacArthur Chronicles, shout out, that's where, where we found you. Yeah. <laughs> Look, when it comes to, um, when it comes to networks, um, I don't think that they would invest a great deal of interest into content that's based on, on Bigfoot. Yeah. Simply because the, the audience in Australia is just not there. It's, it's a niche market, so I don't think they would actually invest a lot of time. I had a lot of dealings with, with um, networks over the years before I... Um, sort of got total freelance um, and it is one of those things that they need to weigh up you know the cost of actually production and producing something like that and what the audience will be like now if, if you're doing it for an, an international audience it's a whole different ball game altogether yeah. um, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not aware of any sort of larger media projects in Australia that actually did something on the Australian Bigfoot mm. Mm. okay um, what about, um, so, so we see that the Indigenous Australians have reported uh, these creatures as well. Um, did you reach out to any of the Indigenous community to see wherever or not um, there was stories like from the, from the elders or so on regarding the myth and legend around all of this? That's a very delicate subject. Um, I'm trying to pursue that with the, the second documentary that I'm, I've started filming. Um, so there's going to be a track too. Oh, um, cool. And I'd, I'd actually like to sort of explore that area more so. But in, coming back to it, it's a very delicate subject because a lot of the elders don't like talking about um, their history and and a lot of their um, yeah, cultural elements mm. because, you know, there's, you know, um, it, it's a very, very delicate topic and it comes down to just about anything that's sort of related to Indigenous sort of folklore and history and so forth so and, and I, I understand that completely i have actually spoken to elders in the past um and i have i have recordings of them i haven't used that because i haven't i don't have permission to actually put that into a, a documentary film okay but um uh, these ladies actually spoke about things like the bigfoot uh, they spoke about stories of, of bunyips, um, min min lights, and so forth. So there is definitely a, a, a very rich lore that's associated with indigenous culture and these mysterious or ambiguous 
uh, phenomena that's that's been recorded throughout their history, and I'm not just talking about you know the past hundred years. I mean these 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 reported recorded knowledge goes back to thousands of years and predates uh, uh, any kind of uh, settlement in here in Australia or uh, European settlement in Australia. So in respect to that, I have a great respect for that, and mm. I do believe that. It is important and absolutely vital to actually have an Indigenous element in the next one because it, it underlines the fact that there is a strong connection with the culture, and yeah. not just with the Native American culture uh, that was Bigfoot, but also the Australian Indigenous culture and their connection with uh, with, with with hominids like uh, or hom- yeah, hominids like like the Bigfoot and other forms of really strange creatures that that uh, that, that they uh, talk about and write about. Mm. My word, my word. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting on that because I remember reading when we were looking into it and watching your documentary about, um, and I know you say before the settlers, but there's also, um, you know, things dating back to the time of the settlers and colonisation and all that sort of thing about them seeing similar creatures or having similar reports. Well, it was, it was briefly touched on on your documentary about how, um, how they had, like, the language, the Aboriginal language had many words for it. But also, uh, what was it you, you would remember, obviously, but creating the documentary uh, regarding one supposedly had a pouch? Um, the two different types. Yeah, two berries? Yeah. Um, Just like a jelly? Is, like a kangaroo? Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting theory. And, and um, the, the actual, the two people are kind of well-known cryptozoologists. Um, uh, Neil Frost is one of them, and he lives up in, in the Blue Mountains, and... Uh, uh, Neil Frost is is an anthropologist, and he was also a school teacher. So he comes from a, a, a highly educated background, and he's highly respected amongst the, uh, the the cryptid community. Neil speaks of the possibility of of having a marsupial type creature uh, that's that's human like, and also a fellow who's up near towards the um, the Queensland border. Gary Opert, who's a he's a wildlife uh, specialist, and he was actually a ranger for a number of years as well. And he talks about early reports of people seeing a young one being held inside a pouch. Mm. So these are quite unique characteristics that you wouldn't hear from, you know, places like you know the Americas, for example, or Russia, or, or parts of Asia. Um, this tends to be um, quite unique to to the Australian continent, mm. and, and it, it makes perfect sense because if it is an indigenous creature of some kind, um, I mean, I mean, look at all the other really strange creatures that we have, like the platypus, for example, and the kangaroo, and so forth. I mean, these are marsupial creatures, and why not? I mean, I've, I've being unreasonable to see a kangaroo. Well, that's it. They're so obscure, aren't they? When you, when you look at like Australian native animals opposed to across the world, as you said, the platypus, kangaroo, all of it's... Platypus still doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit out there, isn't it? <laughs> the platypus does not make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the nest and structures? Um, I believe that, well, the nest was discovered in your documentary, wasn't it? Um, just tell us a little bit about them because that was quite fascinating. Actually, and, and we decided to sort of you know, investigate this region. So 
when we veered off the track, and that's when things tend to happen, um, we, we saw this massive tree break, as you can see, it was like a T-shaped uh, tree, and we just kind of followed the breadcrumbs because there were more tree breaks and more really peculiar, like, it's almost like someone tried to, it's almost like in the Blair Witch Project. Like, I know it's going to sound creepy, but you know how in the trees they had all these weird paraphernalia. Well, that's the other type of stuff that we actually discovered in the trees. Yeah. And it actually kind of led us to this area that was that was an actual nest. So we, we kind of squatted down and had a look. Now, one of the guys there, his name is Duo, he's very in touch with the, the Australian Indigenous culture and I have great respect for their theories and philosophies. Things what you can do and what you can't do and how you respect the natural environment. And the last thing you do when you go there is to actually create an upheaval, right? It's to start rummaging through someone else's, you know, home, so to speak. Um, and I know I've, I've received a few questions as to why did you guys go in there to take air samples and so forth. Well, we didn't want to destroy what was actually built there. You know, I mean, we, we, we have great respect for, for what we discover in the natural wilderness, whether it's natural or made by something else. Um, and that was the first thing that we discovered. And then when Dan, yeah, we Dan saw that head poke out from the ferns, we actually kind of followed that in, and that's when we discovered this hut. Mm. And, and that was absolutely remarkable. I've never seen anything quite like that. Um, and we walked around, we had a look, and the way it was constructed, which I didn't put into the documentary, and for good reason, but I'm happy to talk about it. Um, the hut was constructed constructed of, of a two-layered or two-tier layering. So it had an internal layer, like a almost like an X-shaped kind of hub. And then on the outside, it had another one, but the inside one was actually made of kind of fine twigs and sticks, where the outer one was more sort of rough, almost like camouflage, like, you know, um, you know, debris that you find on the forest floor, like leaves and branches and all that kind of stuff. So it was almost like a two-tiered layer. And underneath, there was actually a small opening. But whatever this little creature was that made, well, whatever this, this, this hut was created for, it was small in nature. So it was a very, very small little creature. And there are small um, hominids known as Duliga, not Duliga, sorry, um, Junjadi. And these are very small little Ewok-like little um, creatures that yeah, we Dan actually uh, spoke about in the documentary and we did a, an artist recreation of what they look like. Um, I mean, they, they just look like little little fat little Ewoks, but not teddy bear-like, yeah. <laughs> or human-like. It's really weird to, to kind of describe it. Not um, so Hollywood. And, and they believe that, you know, the Duliga, which are the larger creatures, and the, and the Junjuni, which are the smaller creatures, and these are the, the native words within the region, or rather native names within the region, um, they kind of live almost side by side. It's a really, really weird arrangement, and, and nobody really understands why. But we, we kind of come to the conclusion that whatever built this had to be small in nature because the the area inside that was kind of an open void was really small. I mean, I couldn't fit in there. I mean, I'm 6'4", and I, there's no way in hell I could have got in there. So it would have been something a hell of a lot smaller to, to actually create that and to use that as some kind of sort of shelter. Yeah. And do, you, do you have any postulations on why they break the trees the way they break them? I mean, a lot of them seem like it was yeah, they break the trees uh, in a sign to mark the territorial direction or something along those lines, but 
some of the trees in there they were not just broken but then stacked on top of each other sort of in a T-shaped markers. Yeah. 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 Look, um, sorry, I'm just getting chills because they're taking me back to, back to, that back to those nights. It was, it, was, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to convey feelings and, and smell and sounds and ambience through a video camera because obviously you're limited, especially when there's no light. Yeah. Um, look, it's, it, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of theories of the markers, but why they actually build things like T-shapes is beyond me. When Tony Jinks, who is actually a, 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 a doctor of psychology, he teaches psychology, actually, um, and he's a member of the Institute of Parapsychology in, in Sydney, um, Australian Institute of Parapsychology, he was the one who went on the last expedition and he, he made a comment that is it possible that we're learning more of the language by discovering more of these snapping, these the way the trees are sort of positioned? Because down in the valley that when the last expedition took place, there was actually a series of breakages. So you would go down, you'd run sort of horizontal with the actual creek that we were on. Um, you'd walk about 10, 20 metres and there's another one walk about 10, 20 metres and another, but they're all pointing in the same direction. Yeah. So yeah. as Tony said, that we, we, we try to understand more of the language. Um, and I can't give you a definitive answer as to what I believe that these, especially the big T-shape breaks, because, I mean, in order to break a tree like that and place it the way it was, I mean, you need the Hulk to do that, right? Um, I really don't know how to answer that, to be honest. I really don't even have a theory. It, it is part of their language, but what it actually means... I know for a fact that when that tree got knocked down and when there's a tree across a path, um, it is quite obvious that it indicates that, you know, this is it, that's your boundary, cross over that, and all shit's going to, you know, uh, break loose. So, um, yeah, I really don't know how to answer that question, guys. I'm sorry. Right. No, that's fair enough. That's all right. Um, you're probably aware the... Large creature that they often refer to as, oh, in America, I know they refer to as Gigantopithecus. What's your thoughts on possibilities of something similar which, to which, that? Or which was an ape that, that roamed, roamed the world once upon a time. Fucking ape. Yeah. Yeah, Gigantopithecus was over three metres tall and apparently it died out something like 100,000 years ago. But um, they, were, they were a herbivore and I think. Only, I think, a, a, a jawbone or, or a skull structure that was discovered and they mainly lived around the China region. So, sort of that part of a part of the sort of the central region. Um, they were creatures that were, like I said, herbivores and they fed off like bamboo and, and things like that. Now, whether or not they were, they took the opportunity to cross, cross some kind of continental shelf that joined during the last, last ice age. I mean, your guess is good as mine. Um, look, it is a possibility because the only known large ape in history for us is Gigantopithecus wacky. And these things were like over three metres tall. But again, they were herbivores. Now, the, 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 the descriptions of what people say when they have a close encounter, and people have actually seen, you know, these, these large uh, creatures eat roadkill and, and destroy, you know, deer and kangaroos and things like that. So, uh, and people have actually seen them eat roots, so squatting down and, and sort of digging out either termites or, or ants or roots from the ground. So 
they are omnivores similar to, to what we are, but I don't know if there is, I actually, originally I did think that there was a, a link or a correlation between, you know, the, the Bigfoot species that we're seeing around the world and the Antigigantopithecus blackie, but, but looking more into the whole thing, I really don't feel that there is a, a, a relationship uh, between those two. I mean, 100,000 years of turning from, going from omnivore to uh, so from herbivore to omnivore, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think it would require more time for these creatures to adapt. The only other thing I can think of is that they were pursued by Homo sapiens at the times, or Cro-Magnon man, and, and they were forced into hiding and, and maybe forced into you know eating you know um, meat or having meat as part of their diet because of, of you know the way the environment changed around them, and maybe they were. Um, hunted as a result of that because of their size and because they were so docile. Um, yeah, it's a well, that, question that I don't know what the answer is. That's a big factor which sort of links it all together in a way that um, human beings, we've killed out a lot of things and if something's coming along and snatching our child or snatching our dog, what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of that, aren't we? We're not going to let that's that right. linger around. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why uh, I don't disclose, do not disclose specific locations is because I want to protect the environment and even if we do have an encounter as much as I possibly can because the last thing we need that if we do find an endangered species um, the last thing we want is, is people going out there and taking advantage of that you know um, and I know that the indigenous culture have great respect for these um, for these life forms and yeah. um, and that's one of the reasons why they don't talk about it yeah yeah it's true Okay, we'll, we'll finish it on this one, mate. Um, so what can we expect from your second doco? It's exciting, the no, number one coming out. Like, I know you said you're going to um, work closely with our Aboriginal community a bit more. Uh, what else can we expect from it? Um, it's, it's, it's taking a more broader view. Um, I think this, this particular documentary is going to, I think, appeal to a, a more sort of wider audience. But um, I'm also going to be looking at other... Um, other areas uh, of, of, I guess, strangeness in this. So we'll see where that kind of takes us, where that road kind of takes us, because um, things can change. I mean, as you guys know yourselves, when you're producing something, you do have a production plan written down, you've got it written down from A to Z, um, and unfortunately over time, and sometimes unfortunately, things can change. You know, curveball comes in, or you find a, a better sort of um, angle, and you sort of pursue that. So I've got a production plan written down, um, but as to what the end result's going to be, I mean, I really don't know yet. I do <laughs> have something in mind, but we'll, we'll find out. Hopefully, um, I'll have it ready by the end of next year. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, sounds good. Good stuff. You got nothing else for Attila, mate? Uh, I do have one question. It might be a bit out there. But um, during the research I was doing, a couple of people that... Uh, go searching for these yaois as well in the Blue Mountain region. Some of them like to come across the term interdimensional being. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because oh, in this podcast, we like to get a little bit loose with that sort of thing. So I was just wondering about your thoughts on people who have that presumption or have that theory based around, for instance, them being possibly interdimensional or even as far to say as an Aboriginal curse oh. that, or Aboriginal, something spiritual like that, that people 
it's there. It's getting strange place. now, isn't it, Tiller? <laughs> it's, it's definitely getting strange. strange now. But yeah, <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, so it's all parapsychological rather than physical. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good one too. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a curveball. Um, look, 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 there has been interesting... People have made some interesting claims. Um, there's a guy who does... who's an Indigenous fellow... A North American Indigenous fellow who does a, a he's got a YouTube channel, and he, he talks about how these creatures actually go up to a rock where there's basically nothing there, and then they just disappear in the side of a mountain, right? Um, whether or not these things, I mean, is it a combination of both, or is it not? The, the experiences that I've had, I can just tell you guys, has been very physical. So. I'm trying to sort of not sound like a, a dickhead either. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, mate. I, I want to grill, right? Feel free to grill him. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it's a really tough one because, you know, there are a lot of beliefs out there and who am I to judge? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who basically listens and what's your story? I want to listen. You know, well, I'm all ears. But I really... Anything, look, all I can say is anything's possible. Uh, I've had experiences with, with so-called ghosts and some the weirdest possible bloody entities you guys could imagine filming when I was filming a, a, a ghost hunting series uh, for Australian television and for overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was doing the whole ghost hunting filming scene from 2006 to probably 2015, 2016. And I've done a lot of content on that. And I've seen things that I've thought, well, mate, if you believe in that, you've got to be... There's got to be something wrong with it. So, you know, we've, we've experienced things like doppelgangers. We've experienced things that we've had members of, of two members of our crew seeing this thing crawling out of this hospital, this dilapidated old hospital, and it was basically a torso that was crawling on its, on its cool. um, elbows really fast from one end of the building to the other. And I didn't see it. The two independent witnesses who I have great respect for and I would say that they are reasonably qualified observers um, claim that they saw this but other crowd people have claimed to see other really strange things so there are some really weird shit out there guys and I wouldn't be surprised if, if part of this would actually fall into the whole parapsychological element or the so when I call it interdimensional or or even shamanistic um Astral projection, I mean, who knows? I mean, there are so many terms that you can use to try to describe something that is not physical in nature but projects itself into this reality for us to see it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but look, there could be a possibility that that well, may well be true as well. Mm. Fascinating. Huh? Awesome. Fascinating. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, we might leave it there, Attila. I appreciate you you're making the time for us and having a chat with us. No worries. And uh, we'll have to get you... Yeah, we'll have to get you on board when you've got your second one out, mate. Yeah, we'll definitely get you back on. No problem. Too easy. We'll so. take it easy and uh, all the best, yeah? And uh, for everyone out there, it's Attila Coldy. Uh, it's called Track. Search for Australia's Bigfoot and you can find it on iTunes. Can we find it anywhere else or is it just strictly on iTunes at the moment? Yeah, it's... Uh, the distributor's done a really weird thing. I mean, it's on Google Play. It's actually on PlayStation, Xbox. Um, it's on... Um, uh, Microsoft platforms as well, um, but yeah, like things like Hulu, Amazon. I mean, we don't have that here in Australia, but a whole bunch of platforms. We're working on getting more platforms, or getting on more platforms that are accessible uh, for Australian audience, but uh, primarily on the iTunes for Aussie audiences. Yes. Awesome. Nice. And if pe- other people were looking for 
uh, your content elsewhere? Could they find you anywhere else, or is that just just purely through the documentaries? Uh, look, I've got a website, and that website will basically take them to where the content is. Um, and if you guys don't mind, I can tell what that website is. Go for it. It's, Go for it. Uh, uh, paranormalinvestigators.tv. So it's it's basically you click on the icons there and it actually tells you a little bit about the story and where you can actually find them and where you can watch them. Awesome, cool, good stuff, legend. All right. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks very much, Teller. Thanks for having me.